0: The dog days of summer are here, which means students will be soon heading back to classrooms for learning and fields for playing prep sports. As parents, it's our job to guide our children toward educational opportunities that can positively impact their future. On today's show, you'll learn about an exciting new opportunity. The
1: 500 Stars Initiative is really a student family-led endeavor.
0: It's also a parent's job to be informed about medical conditions, even rare ones that could negatively impact a child's future.
2: Being a genetic condition, it could arise shortly after somebody's born. But generally speaking, the period where it seems to first manifest tends to be in adolescence. And later,
0: learn about a local program that's bringing cardiac emergency awareness and preparedness into schools throughout our community and nationwide.
3: What Project Adam provides to schools is really that next level in making sure that there is systems and processes in place to respond in the event of a cardiac emergency.
0: Back to school season is upon us, so today we focus on the hearts and minds of our students inside this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Welcome to CTSI Discovery Radio. I'm your host, Brian Belmer. CTSI Discovery Radio is brought to you by the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin. The CTSI is a consortium of researchers, doctors, scientists, and others representing eight institutions, including the Medical College of Wisconsin, Milwaukee School of Engineering, Marquette University, the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee Children's Hospital of Wisconsin, Fredert Hospital, Blood Center of Wisconsin, and the Zablocki VA Medical Center. The CTSI works collaboratively. collaboratively across all our member institutions in advancing biomedical research and finding new drugs treatments therapeutics and interventions that are better faster and more economical than ever our mission is advancing health through research and discovery Autumn is on the horizon, and along with it comes the dawn of another school year. Whether it's a beginning for a young child or the continuation of an educational journey for a young adult, the new school year brings opportunities for learning and hopes for a bright future. Today, the CTSI of Southeast Wisconsin is proud to announce the launching of our new educational opportunity. It's called the 500 Stars Initiative, and it's a 10-year plan designed to facilitate students in joining and thriving in the translational science workplace. We're excited to welcome Dr. Ramona Tenorio, CTSI Director of the Pilot Translational and Clinical Studies Program and Director of the new 500 Stars Initiative to tell us about what it can mean for your students' educational experience and future. Dr. Tenorio says that the idea for the new 500 Stars Initiative came together as a collaborative effort as the CTSI applied for its second NIH grant from the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences.
1: We knew that we wanted to have a strong pipeline for workforce development, but we didn't know exactly where we were going to be going as we were writing our grant. And in partnership between our workforce development module and our regional translational science workforce diversity committee what emerged from these regional leaders was the idea of a 500 stars initiative a 10-year regional initiative to increase diversity in the translational science workforce through direct educational pipelines as well as supporting existing regional pipelines that are Part of our partner institutions.
0: So, what are the specific goals of this new initiative?
1: Our goal is to enroll 500 students over 10 years into the 500 Stars Initiative, which is a combined student and family empowering initiative. It works directly with well established regional partners in an effort to support and move translational workforce along existing regional pipelines. Our mission is to provide training and educational opportunities to students of diversity in high school, undergraduate, and graduate programs who are looking for a career or may not even know that there are careers in clinical and translational science.
0: Understanding that, who exactly are the 500 stars or students that are hoped to be impacted? She tells us that for this big of an initiative, it's important to span across multiple educational levels.
1: CTSI for many years has had several very strong graduate-level, postgraduate-level educational programs, and we spoke with key stakeholders, within the community as part of our strategic planning. And we heard time after time that if we were really serious about not only increasing the workforce as a whole within translational science, we really needed to start at a very young age. So that's what our initiative is. The 500 Stars Initiative is really trying to get the word out about translational science as a discipline, as a career opportunity at the middle school, high school level, as well as undergraduate, graduate school.
0: Dr. Tenorio also proudly pointed out points out that a key component of the 500 stars initiative is a strong commitment to diversity and an intense focus on increasing underrepresented minorities throughout the translational science workforce.
1: It's incredibly important that healthcare delivery system reflects the diversity of the community in which it serves and research is part of that community. We also realize that historical problems cause certain communities to not want to engage in research. We've all heard of the Tuskegee syphilis studies. We've heard of forced sterilization. And because of this, it's difficult for the community to feel a connection to the researchers if they don't speak their language, look like them, come from their own background. It's important that the researchers, as well as the healthcare teams, look like the communities that they serve.
0: She recognizes that there are already several career pipeline programs in our area. So, in true collaborative spirit of the CTSI, the idea. Is for the 500 Stars Initiative to work in partnership with many of them.
1: We are here to partner with them, and in addition to that, we also have direct programs ourselves to give you an example at our high school level. There are several diversity pipelines in the area. Our goal would be to partner with them so that we can offer their students the opportunity to become part of our direct programs like our CTSI 500 Stars academic year program, which includes two phases to it, an academic portion, which is a SMART plus TS team. So that's SMART as in students modeling a research topic. This is a program that has come out of Milwaukee School of Engineering it's nationally known, and this allows teachers to form teams of high school students, middle school students, to introduce them to science, and augmenting that program with a PLUS-TS or a PLUS-Translational Science component that would introduce those teams to the idea of translational science. How do you take a concept from the bench and understand its implication for patient care, community, etc.? Phase two of it is a summer externship opportunity which is a program for these students to work side by side with clinical translational research faculty members and be part of the research enterprise.
0: There's also the recently launched summer internship opportunity where college students are placed among the CTSI's partner institutions.
1: On June 16th, we held our kickoff orientation. We have 20 undergraduate and graduate student interns enrolled. It's been wonderful. You know, the feedback we're getting is extremely positive. In addition to placing them with various labs and supervisors doing translational science. We also augment our program with several educational and professional development opportunities. It's really been a great opportunity for our students to receive lectures and see films that are pertinent to the climate and culture of our campus.
0: So what is the long-term big-picture vision for the 500 Stars Initiative?
1: Our mission is really to be there all along their career development. So even once they leave a particular program, they really haven't left because we will still continue to be there. We want to know how we can help support them. We want to be there for them if a student calls and they're taking their first biochemistry class as an undergraduate. That, for many, is a roadblock. And they say, well, maybe I can't be a scientist that I want to be. Maybe I can't go into medicine. We want to be there to provide them the mentorship that they need so that they can continue to fulfill their own goals and dreams.
0: And on a personal level, Dr. Tenorio can relate to what the 500 Stars Initiative means, especially for underrepresented minorities working in the translational science field.
1: I do think about that a lot, and I think that's what helps drive me as the director of the program. You know, I was a first generation, born and raised in Milwaukee, wasn't necessarily tracked even to go on to college, much less graduate school and eventually a Ph.D. And for me, a program like this would have meant a lot in providing the direction to kind of navigate the higher educational spectrum. It's certainly not a job for me. It really is a calling. And This is kind of the philosophy that we always have here at CTSI, passing along the resources needed for people to be successful. And we're giving those resources and services to a young student Population.
0: If you are a student or the parent of a student and want more information about the 500 Stars Initiative, please contact the CTSI's office. You'll find contact information on our website at ctsi.mcw.edu. Special thanks to CTSI's Dr. Ramona Tenorio, Director of the Pilot Translational and Clinical Studies Program and Director of the 500 Stars Initiative. What kind of impact is the 500 Stars Initiative already having on students? To find out, we recently interviewed two participants in the inaugural Summer Internship Opportunity Program. Anye Engwa came to America from Cameroon, West Africa, and is a recent graduate of the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee with a degree in biochemistry. Diana Drame is from Senegal, West Africa, and is also a recent graduate from UWM with a degree in microbiology. We had the pleasure of speaking with both. First, Diana shared how she learned about the CTSI's 500 Stars Initiative and its summer internship opportunity.
4: When I was at UWM, I was enrolled in a program called the Emerging Leaders. One of the requirements of the program was that I had a mentor and an internship. So they linked me to Dr. Tenorio, who became my mentor, and told me about the internship program.
3: Ahead
0: of medical school, Anya knows it's important to gain practical experience now. He also knows that the 500 Stars Initiative provides that.
5: Right now, I'm with Children's Hospital. Medical Scribe. What we do there is we survey patients, the families, doctors, the care providers. Medical Scribe is something that is new in the hospital there, so we're doing surveys to find out how effective and efficient it is in the ED department.
0: And he's finding immediate benefit from being one of the initiative's 500 stars. Yeah,
5: there's a lot to benefit there. It gives me exposure to people to get to understand them, get to learn how to communicate with them. I also have the chance to watch physicians, do exams on patients, and this is something I want
0: to do too in the future, so it's like I'm an apprentice. Diana is also finding benefit from the program.
4: Being in this program, I'm able to see what different clinical research coordinators do or different principal investigators, and I've been getting different certifications because I'm working with patients and specimens and I've been practicing my lab skills too. And
0: the 500 Stars Initiative is giving her a glimpse into the future.
4: Definitely getting to see all the grounds and all the foundations of what goes into research really prepares me to know what to expect. So I'm getting to see it at all levels and it's just awesome to just be able to interact with all these different people that do all these different things and then have an idea of what it really is.
0: Anye says he's learning about himself in the process as well. So far I've
5: come to understand what I really need to focus on when I get to med school because it's not just all about like you have to make it through the exams but it's about you knowing what you're doing based on facts.
0: It makes me really know what I'm getting to. Both say there are people who played a significant role in their decisions to work in medical research. For Diana it was
4: a researcher in Senegal who did a lot of work in HIV, and his name is Suleiman Boub. He's the one that made me want to do HIV research. Nephrology is also a field that I'm really interested in. For
0: Anye, the lack of quality health care in his homeland, resulting in the loss of two siblings, impacted his decision.
5: My two brothers, they died because of simple things that could just be taken care of here in like 15 minutes. After I lost my two brothers, it was really painful. At first there was anger, but later on I was like, I just really want to make that difference in the healthcare system in my country. So, like, little things like that should be preventable.
0: The 500 Stars Initiative's commitment to diversity is something very important to both Anye and Diana along their educational journeys.
5: It makes you feel like you belong. And the fact that this program is diverse, it makes me feel much more comfortable in it. I come from a poor background and I don't have things like role models, people that have done it before, (laughs) you know. I don't have the financial support, but once you get into a program that you know you're welcome, it makes you put in your all, knowing that these people are there for you. It's an
4: opportunity for me to get into a field that I knew nothing about. I didn't even know it existed at first. Being able to come to an institution like this one and have an internship, it's a big deal.
0: Our thanks to Diana Drame and Anye Engwa. Good luck to them and all of our CTSI 500 stars, present and future the new school year also means some students will start or return to playing prep sports. Many will undergo a physical examination before doing so and most will be given a clean bill of health to participate. While parents hope that their children enjoy playing, it's their concern that they avoid injury. Because even the healthiest athletes face risks. But in addition to sports injuries, things can happen to physically active kids due to medical conditions, sometimes undetected, that can have serious, even fatal results. Perhaps you've heard of instances where a young person collapses, often during a physical activity, and suffers sudden cardiac arrest. While such cases are rare, they can happen. The most common cause of sudden death in young people is a genetic condition known as hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, or HCM. What exactly is it? Well, not to alarm you, but to inform you. We gained insight from Dr. Anoop Singh, Program Director of Pediatric Cardiac Electrophysiology Services at Children's Hospital of Wisconsin. As a starting point, Dr. Singh tells us that cardiomyopathy is a disease of the heart muscle, and there are different types. The most common among children being...
2: The most common one is hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, certainly in the pediatric age range.
0: Next, Dr. Singh tells us that hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, or HCM, is a genetic condition. Meaning,
2: so when we say something is a genetic problem, what we mean is that our DNA is coded in such a way that there's an abnormal product that's formed. And in this case, you end up with a heart that's thickened because the building blocks for it are abnormal. And so hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, we pick it up by doing an ultrasound of the heart. And when we take those pictures of the heart, we see this abnormal thickness that is well out of proportion to any condition that could cause that.
0: Now, Dr. Singh stresses that HCM is considered a rare condition.
2: We believe about 1 in 500 people in the U.S. have hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. There are different definitions of rare, but I think the most common one that people use is if it affects less than 200,000 people in the United States, we consider it rare. So hypertrophic cardiomyopathy by that definition is rare.
0: Which is good news, but although uncommon in general, it can affect children, especially adolescents.
2: Being a genetic condition, it could arise shortly after somebody's born. But generally speaking, the period where it seems to first manifest, tends to be in adolescence. And so you could speculate that it has something to do with the hormones that are causing your growth may somehow trigger the signaling that results in this abnormal thickening. But there are definitely people who could have a normal looking heart when they're very young and develop hypertrophic cardiomyopathy when they're older.
0: And because it's an inherited condition, oftentimes one parent has hypertrophic cardiomyopathy as well. So
2: whenever somebody has hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, we generally assume one of the two parents is going to have it as well. by Children's, we've made the diagnosis in kids and then gone around and tested the parents and found that they have it as well. They just weren't aware of it until then.
0: So what are symptoms or warning signs that parents can watch for in their children?
2: One of the challenges is how do we pick up patients with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy? Probably the most important symptom that would make us strongly look for it is somebody who's exercising and they passed out. There are different causes for that, but if you are exercising and you collapse, that is, you lose consciousness and fall to the ground, we definitely consider a cardiac conditions Strongly And within that, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is maybe one of the most important.
0: But hypertrophic cardiomyopathy shares common symptoms with other far less serious conditions. So when should a parent be concerned that their child could be suffering from something more serious? That's a
2: difficult thing to know is when is it just a cold that's causing you to have shortness of breath versus a cardiomyopathy that's causing you to have shortness of breath. And so the acute presentation is you're completely fine and then you have a sudden event where you might collapse. That's sort of an abrupt symptom. Is something that would merit immediate evaluation the more chronic stuff i think is much harder to pick up because those would be vague symptoms such as shortness of breath palpitations those symptoms are shared with many conditions and many times there's no real underlying medical condition behind those vague symptoms but for sure we treat passing out and particularly passing out during exercise as very concerning symptoms
0: let's say hcm is detected and diagnosed how can it be treated Dr. Singh says a defibrillator implant is a common, effective
2: option. The job of a defibrillator is to sit there and listen to somebody's heart. And most of the time, that's all it does. But if the heart abruptly goes into a very rapid rhythm, You know, you really only have seconds at that point to react to it. And that's the reason a defibrillator is in place, because within seconds of the arrhythmia, it'll detect it. A few seconds more, it'll charge the device, and then it delivers a shock to the heart. And that's really an extremely important life-saving therapy.
0: However, he adds that implanting a defibrillator in children can present certain challenges.
2: Although it's small for an adult, for a child, it's a good-sized device. So in some of the very small kids, it's actually required a surgeon to place the hardware onto the heart directly. As kids get bigger, we're able to place the defibrillator in a more standard position, but children with defibrillators are more prone to receiving a shock for the wrong reason, as opposed to always receiving it for the right reason. An inappropriate shock can happen if your heart is beating fast, but it's not a dangerous rhythm, and the device misinterprets it and thinks that's a reason to deliver a shock. It's a huge deal for a kid to have this device to begin with, much less get shocked and realize it was for the wrong reason.
0: When a child has a physical exam, Dr. Singh recommends three things for parents to be mindful of that could help identify the potential for a heart-related condition like HCM.
2: The first is again if your kids ever passed out particularly related to exercise we consider that a worrisome symptom. Those symptoms need to at least be brought forward to the medical provider when you're going in for your examination. The second is it's very important to know the family history because we may know that someone in our family has a heart problem but we may not know specifically what type of heart problem that is. That would be very helpful in going into that visit. And then the third part of it would be the medical provider who sees somebody if they hear a heart murmur that at least has to be one of the things that they would consider referring to a pediatric cardiologist for evaluation.
0: So what is the outlook for a young person if they are diagnosed with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy? Dr. Singh has some very positive news.
2: The reality is this is a condition where the vast majority of people live their whole lives with it and really don't have any problems with it. So our goal is to try and find the people People who don't have symptoms but actually are at risk for cardiac arrest and in those patients again we would generally recommend implanting a defibrillator and there's a lot of testing we do to try and figure out who's at higher risk versus who's not but the prognosis is quite good in that if you're not at high risk for cardiac arrest you should do very well in life
0: but again although it's a rare condition HCM can go undetected. So what message does Dr. Singh have for parents, especially for parents of active, athletic kids who could be affected by such a condition?
2: That's a question I think about a lot because I haven't done any special testing on my kids. Frequently teenagers are asymptomatic and to be completely asymptomatic and be told there's the potential for cardiac arrest, there's a definite disconnect in that. Unfortunately, sometimes a patient who has no symptoms can present with this sort of a sudden arrest. And so it's important to know that it's out there, no Nobody wants their kid to have it. But if your kid has something that's suspicious that occurs, you know, you start by going to your medical providers and finding out about it. And if someone in your family has hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, you need to accept that that's a possibility, even if you're in disbelief that you yourself could have such a condition.
0: Finally, Dr. Singh ends on another positive note, sharing that a cultural shift is underway in our community, whereby awareness of how to respond to cardiac arrest is increasing.
2: Recently, legislation was passed in Wisconsin, making us the 31st state to mandate hands-only CPR and AED instruction as a graduation requirement. To really make an impact on people with cardiac arrest, it's not up to just medical providers. It's really up to the United States at large to have a society willing to act.
0: And that is a perfect introduction for the next segment of today's show. Because in addition to being Program Director of Pediatric Cardiac Electrophysiology Services at Children's Hospital of Wisconsin, Dr. Anoop Singh is also the Medical Director of Project ADAM. Along with the program's administrator, Allie Thompson, they facilitated Project ADAM Adam's growth from a Wisconsin-based program into a national one that's dramatically increased cardiac emergency awareness, training, and equipment in schools throughout the U.S. We had the pleasure of sitting down with Allie Thompson to learn more about how Project Adam advocates and implements life skills that are saving lives. First, Allie tells us how Project Adam began following the sudden tragic death of an area high school student athlete named Adam Lemel.
3: Project Adam began after the death of Adam Lemel. He was playing basketball with his high school team at Whitefish Bay. He collapsed and what happened is he had a sudden cardiac arrest. When Adam collapsed in 1999, there was no AED or comprehensive plan at Adam's school to respond to a cardiac arrest.
0: Shocked and saddened by their son's death, Patty and Joe Lemmel went into action in hopes of preventing what happened to Adam from happening to other parents' children as well.
3: Patty and Joe came to Children's Hospital after Adam's death, and they really wanted to do something to make a difference and make AEDs and training in schools more available and really build up the communication about what happened in the event of a collapse or a cardiac arrest like Adam's. And
0: out of their drive and desire, Project Adam was born.
3: The goal of Project Adam is to save lives. And to save a life, we need to have steps in place, train staff, AEDs in place, and a communicative plan that everybody knows what each other's part is in the event of a collapse.
0: The ADAM in Project Adam is an acronym for Automated Defibrillators in Adam's Memory. So what exactly is an automated external defibrillator and how does it work?
3: An AED is an automated external defibrillator. It's a small device that has the capability to read the rhythm of a heart. So in the event of a cardiac emergency, pads read the heart's rhythm and if a victim's heart is beating chaotically and out of rhythm, it can be shocked back into a normal rhythm before emergency medical services get that victim to the hospital.
0: What's the average cost for an AED unit?
3: An AED runs anywhere from $1,200 all the way up to $2,000, depending on the brand.
0: And how many AEDs are recommended for each school?
3: That really does require a site assessment to make sure that it's accessible within two minutes. AEDs should be placed in very highly visible and accessible areas so that it's easier for everybody to remember where they are in the event of an emergency gyms outside the cafeteria, very out in the open and visible.
0: So how exactly does Project Adam advocate for schools in implementing their program?
3: That's a great question, Brian. Project Adam advocates for the accessibility of AEDs for CPR and AED training or certification for staff. And Project Adam has grants available in Wisconsin to help schools implement that process. Next, we want schools to be implementing drills where they're actually practicing their response in the event of a sudden cardiac arrest, such as Adams, working together to save that victim.
0: And Allie says there are many programs available for becoming certified in CPR and proper AED usage.
3: We do recommend that at least 10% of staff within the school building are trained or certified in CPR AED. Learning how to use an AED device can be done through American Heart Association, Red Cross, or any of the nationally recognized programs.
0: Since 1999, Project ADAM has seen phenomenal growth throughout Wisconsin.
3: In Wisconsin, Project ADAM has really been the impetus for schools having AEDs and a coordinated plan in place. We've worked with many partners to help place AEDs in schools, but then we've also helped the schools to get the training and educate them on the policy and procedures so they have a written plan in place in the event of a cardiac emergency.
0: And it's grown well beyond our state in becoming a national organization.
3: What we were doing here with Project ADAM locally very quickly expanded to a national interest, and so we started an affiliate program. To date, we have 11 affiliates outside of Wisconsin, meaning that there is a hospital system committed to implementing Project ADAM, an appointed medical director that really oversees the program from a medical standpoint, and then there is a Project ADAM administrator like myself that helps carry out those programs.
0: But considering its impressive growth, Ali recognizes that there have been challenges along the way.
3: There's always barriers trying to work with schools faced with a lot of budgetary issues. Project Adam is that local resource to make sure that they have training, they have the equipment, they have guidance. So I'd say the biggest barrier is getting in with the schools and really developing that streamlined relationship between Project Adam, the healthcare system, and the school community.
0: And some schools have another reason for not getting on board with the program as soon as others.
3: At times, We do still have barriers getting AEDs into elementary schools. There's this notion that there won't be a chance for a cardiac arrest with that young of a population. The high schools are a little bit more willing and understand that their student population is more at risk.
0: There's been no study to date on the efficacy of Project ADAM, but Allie says they're open to it and if you want evidence that their program works, it was announced that as of 2016, Project ADAM has saved 100 lives nationwide.
3: We are lucky to have some of the survivors actually speak out, and when you hear them tell their story, it's just priceless. 100 Lives is a testament to carrying on Adam Lemmel's legacy. And when the Family and Children's Hospital began the program locally, I don't think they ever dreamed that the program would have the ability to save 100 lives. It's a wonderful time to pause and reflect and celebrate, but also a call to action to all of our schools that aren't partnered with Project Adam.
0: If you want to learn more about how your school can become involved with Project Adam, there's plenty of information available. Go
3: to our website at www.project adam.com and it's within the children's hospital and the herma heart center website another way is to get signed up for our newsletter and that will give updates on upcoming events or informational sessions that we'll be holding on project adam
0: we'll be sure to post links and additional information on our ctsi website along with this show that's allie thompson administrator of project adam at children's hospital of wisconsin's herma heart center And with that, we've reached the end for this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Thanks to today's guests, Dr. Ramona Tenorio from the CTSI, Dr. Anoop Singh from Children's Hospital of Wisconsin, Allie Thompson from Project Adam, and Diana Drame and Anye Engwa, summer interns as part of the CTSI's new 500 Stars Initiative. I hope you've discovered something by listening to today's show, and I'm doubly hopeful that you'll join us again next time. CTSI Discovery Radio airs the third Friday of every month so make an appointment to join us for each episode. On behalf of the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin and all our affiliate partners and members, I'm Brian Belmer. wishing you happy, healthy days ahead. For more information about research or to listen to this program online and on demand, visit the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin website at ctsi.mcw.edu. CTSI Discovery Radio is written, produced, and hosted by Brian Belmer. co-produced by Tom Crawford and Jeremy Kuzniar, in collaboration with WMSC Radio. The CTSI and this program are under the direction of Dr. Reza Shakir.